0: Hello, everyone. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that we experienced some technical difficulties during this episode on Luke's end. So, we weren't able to record the way we normally do, and sometimes his audio cuts out or just doesn't sound so great. So, just wanted to let you know that before the episode started. Also, I will be adding time codes in the description of this episode. In case you want to skip to some stuff, because we are going to be tackling some news. for The first like 20 minutes of this episode, as well as the movies Talk to Me and Smile. So if you want to skip to anything, the time codes will be in the description. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello everyone, and welcome to Casual Experts Only. Now part of the Cultured Nerd Podcast Network. We are your casual experts, Mike and Luke. And in this show, we talk about all things pop culture, nerdy, all that stuff. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about... We're going to be... Well, I'm going to be glossing over some news um, in a minute. And then we're going to be talking about the new indie horror film, Talk To Me. And we're also going to touch on uh, the movie Smile, which... We recorded a review for it a long time ago, like when it came out. It came out almost a year ago now. But uh, the audio got messed up, so we're just going to talk briefly on it because I feel like there were some elements in this movie Talk To Me that reminded me a bit of Smile. Uh, yeah, anyway, let's get into some of this news. Mm-hmm. Um, not going to spend too much time on it, but there's some DC news to talk about mm-hmm. some other stuff, some strike news kind of. So... Yeah um apparently aquaman 2 is a comic prequel coming out soon um well not actually i'm not sure when it's coming out okay. but um it's just gonna be one issue whereas i think the, the flash prequel was like three issues but but it's supposed to right, right. tie into uh like basically tie the first aquaman and the second one together like kind of what happened in between um you know, I doubt it's going to cover mm-hmm. anything all of that important. They rarely, because, you know, they rarely do that because they can't really expect casual moviegoers to read the comics, you know? Um, like, like, I remember there was right, a right. prequel comic for Spider-Man, uh, the, the Amazing Spider-Man 2, back in, like, 2014. And I remember, like, all it really covered, like, all it really revealed was how, like, his suit changed. From the first and second movie, and it was just something like Gwen was just like, "Hey, you should change your suit because it's you know your current one sucks," and he's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and that was pretty much it. So they don't usually do a whole lot, but they can be kind of fun, um, you know, if you're into comics and stuff. But yeah, yeah, speaking of Aquaman two, a couple weeks ago there was some rumors going around that there was new reshoots, which I think there'd already been like one or two rounds of reshoots for Aquaman two. Um, and like a lot of apparently bad, um, screenings, test screenings. Um, but there were some rumors that there was more reshoots because Patrick Wilson, who plays Orm, uh, said something like in an interview Mm -hmm. with the Hollywood Reporter, he said something like, Orm is awesome, I was with him last week, so that made people think there were like reshoots or something. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, this movie does seem like a bit of a mess, um, I mean... It can definitely right. be fixed in editing, but we'll see how that goes. From what I heard, the um, screenings, like it was mainly like a, a pacing and editing problem. But yeah, sure. I guess there have been issues for a while with this movie. Like the director has been having problems with it for some reason. So I don't know. But speaking of rumors, DC rumors, um, there was this report that came out pretty recently i think just a few days ago that like gal gadot is going to star wonder woman 3 and this this isn't necessarily mm-hmm. new cuz this the what people are referring to is an interview that happened in june before the strike um but she gal gadot mm-hmm. spoke with um, chris killian from comicbook.com and all she said was uh i guess she was act- asked about wonder woman and she said i love portraying wonder woman it's so close to and dear to my heart from what i heard from james and from peter is that we're going to develop a wonder woman 3 together and that are people like speculating like oh is mm-hmm. she going to be you know but there isn't really any actual confirmation that I mean you know you know people were speculating that she's going to continue as Wonder Woman in James Gunn's DCU but there's no real evidence for that and she was very vague about it so if anything I feel like she'll be like a producer on it or something but and even a reporter. I'm trying to remember his name um he's kind of a scooper but he's he's also a legit reporter his name is escaping me Jeff Snyder um, he 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 has a podcast that's pretty mm-hmm. popular and whatnot, but, I mean, he kind of debunked this, but it was kind of just logical sense, saying, like, why would they bring on James Gunn to reboot the universe and then, you know, reboot everybody but Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman? Um, which, yeah, makes perfect right. sense. I, I, I doubt that she's going to be continuing on as Wonder Woman in any capacity besides maybe, like, a producer A lot of people on the internet were mad, saying, like, oh, so James Gunn recast everybody except Gal Gadot, which, you know, there's no real evidence for that. Her quote was very vague. So, speaking of vague, there are some more Fantastic Four movie casting rumors. According to Jeff Snyder, the reporter we just talked about a few minutes ago, he was breaking down the rumors he was hearing about the casting live on his podcast i believe but then he just kind of dumped them all on twitter and apparently what he heard is that reed richards is cast but we don't know who it is galactus is going to be the villain of the movie and we don't know who's playing him yet uh the, the thing is not no sorry reed richards is not cast but the thing is cast and we don't know who it is though uh vanessa kirby is likely cast as sue storm and Joseph Quinn from Stranger Things Season 4 will reportedly be playing Johnny Storm and Eben Moss backrack. He played Micro in the Punisher Netflix series and he was recently in Andor and The Bear TV show. He is he has been cast in the movie not as the thing, but could be the Silver Surfer. Now, I mean, I would probably take a lot of this as, with a grain of salt. A lot of scoopers have been reporting stuff on the Fantastic Forecasting. I mean, just a couple months ago, Reed Richards was supposedly Adam Driver, and Sue Storm was supposed to be Margot Robbie. So it's like it seems like really unclear what the actual cast is going to be of this movie. I would honestly just wait and see until it's officially revealed by Marvel before, you know, before getting upset upset or excited one way or the other about the cast. And another Marvel movie rumor, according to the cultured nerd, some insiders are saying that Emma Corwin, who was recently cast in the Deadpool 3 movie in an unknown villain role, she will be playing uh Cassandra Nova, who is the evil twin of Professor X in the comics. Now, she is the main villain of the movie. That could be very interesting considering how powerful she is in the comics and really kind of a deep-cut character. I'm kind of surprised if they do. But, you know, then again, the Deadpool movies are kind of known for bringing in some pretty unknown X-Men characters. So this could be pretty cool if it's true. I definitely look forward to that. But, yeah, let's talk about some Mm -hmm. uh, actors who were in hot water about their comments about the strike. So, Mm -hmm. both Zachary Levi and Stephen Amell have gotten in trouble online because of things that they've said Mm -hmm. at Comic-Cons, I think. I think uh, Zachary Levi was at a panel or at an appearance at New York Comic-Con. And I'm not sure where Stephen Amell was, but he was at, like, some panel somewhere. And he said something along the lines of, like, yeah, this was his actual quote. Um... Okay, so it was at GalaxyCon in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, And his quote was, I support my union, I do, and I stand with them, but I do not support striking, I don't. I think it is a reductive negotiating tactic, and I find the entire thing incredibly frustrating. And I think the thinking as it pertains to shows, like the shows that I'm on that premiered last night, I think it's myopic. And he made like an official statement on his social media clarifying what he was saying. Um, drawing attention to what he first said, like, I support my union um, and I stand with them. And then mm-hmm. he said, as for the I do not support striking, what, what this means in full context, I understand fundamentally why we're here. My off the cuff use of the word support is clearly contradictory to my true feelings and my empathetic statement that I stand with my union. Of course, I don't like striking. Nobody does. But what we have to do, but we have to do what we have to do. And then the, as for the, I think that is a reductive negotiating tack, I find the entire thing incredibly frustrating. Um, he said, and in full context, I'm an actor and I was speaking extemporaneously for over an hour. I emote, but I certainly don't think that these issues are simple. Our leadership has an incredibly complicated job, and I'm grateful for all that they do. Despite some of my terrible early acting work, I assure you I'm not a robot from an intellectual perspective. I understand why we're striking, but that doesn't mean it isn't emotionally frustrating on many levels for all involved. Um, I mean, yeah, it it basically just seems like he has made some off-the-cuff comments that were, you know, (laughs) uh, probably not worded as great, as he or anybody you know would have liked but i, I think he was just expressing frustration that right. you know he he can't promote the show he's on <laughs> understandably and i'm i'm honestly surprised right, there aren't right. more actors expressing frustration at like the strike because of course you know pretty much all actors you know are, are are supporting this strike and fair pay for everyone and all that and you know the you know stand against right. the use of ai to replace their, their jobs and everything but I'm kind of surprised more actors aren't, you know, expressing mm-hmm. frustration at you know the, you know, restrictive strike rules they have to follow and everything. Um, which is pretty much what Zachary Levi was kind of in trouble for. But it was kind of his was more of a joke, I guess, because he was just saying like yeah. he can't, you know, he's he isn't allowed to talk about his past m- movies and shows like Shazam and Chuck and Tangled and stuff, and he. Um, said you know like I'm not allowed to talk about those things and it and it's and that's dumb or something. Which I mean I'm tr- I don't think that's actually the rules, is it? Like I think you just keep no. I I think it's like any yeah. promotion. So like if
1: you wanted, if some comic con somewhere invited you just to be on a panel, as long as you're not promoting anything, it's you're fine. You can be you can, you can go on podcasts or do whatever as long as you're not actively mm-hmm. promoting any pro projects. I think. That's fine. And I'm not even sure like if that includes like what Zach and I was talking about, like movies that were out for like ten years. I'm not sure if that includes those or not. But I mean I I get why they're frustrated, but it also it makes sense because like if you were still allowed to promote things, then I don't think the studio would really um, I don't think the studio would feel it as much as it's like, no, we're completely stopping. It makes sense, you know. You got to strike across the board to really, you know, make a yeah.
0: So yeah, so it's I'm I'm not I'm not really sure. I I guess maybe that stuff might my you know talking about his stuff his previous work might be considered promotion, but I, I don't know if that's kind of a gray area. I guess, right. but you know, it was obviously just an yeah. offhanded yeah, thing, exactly. and it's like yeah, okay, and then um you know, people online were getting all mad, which I feel like it seems like the people getting mad are just random people on Twitter. It's like who aren't actors or writers. So I think they just like to feel morally superior. But um, right. anyway, he, he got on social media, on Instagram, and clarify what he was saying. It is kind of funny how this always happens. Like somebody says something, people on Twitter get pissed, and then they the person gets on the internet and says, like, oh, what I actually meant, or apologizes, you know. Um, but anyway, he said, it's come to my attention that an offhand, um, offhand remark I made in jest last weekend is being taken out of context. So let me be very clear. I fully support my union, the WGA and the strike. I remain an outspoken critic of the exploitative system that us artists are subject to work in since I started my journey in the business 25 years ago. this strike is necessary to protect ourselves, our writers, and all those working in production. We make the industry move. Uh, we need to be striking. We should have done this years ago, but anyway, uh, we have actors who are getting in hot water online for seemingly speaking out against the strike. And now we also have somebody who is in trouble for, uh, speaking is supporting the strike. (laughs) It's just nobody. So, um, Rachel Zegler, who was in West Side Story and Shazam 2, and is going to be the new Snow White. Um, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was speaking to Entertainment Tonight while on the picket lines of the strike, and she was speaking in support of re- streaming residuals. Um, and yeah. she talked; she was kind of referring to when Snow White hit streaming, like on Disney Plus. And she said, "If I'm going to stand there eight, eighteen hours a day in the dress of an iconic Disney princess, I deserve to be paid for every hour that it streamed online." which right. isn't too crazy because that's what happens when movies stream or not stream, but are played on like cable and stuff. Companies right. get residuals or, you know, they get paid for that. And then, you know, all the, everyone who worked on it gets residuals. So, you know, that's, right. that's one of the things the actors and writers are striking about getting re- streaming residuals. Um, But then people online, you know, were I, it's seemingly more conservative bent where, Saying she was like, so somebody said something like liberal privilege or something like, what? Um, didn't realize that right. was a thing. Um, but and just like calling her entitled and stuff. Um, and she tweeted like, "Is it entitled?" Like I didn't realize it was entitled to uh before being paid fairly, but okay. Um, right. right. Yeah. So that's like kind of stupid. You can never win. <laughs> like, oh, Exactly. But anyway. Moving on to a few other bits of news. David Ayer uh, made a statement on... Well, he tweeted something about his cut of Suicide Squad mm-hmm. um, saying that James Gunn told him it would have its time to be shared. Now, this whole thing started when David Ayer posted some old photo of uh, Jared Leto's Joker. Presumably right. a behind-the-scenes shot of from, from uh, Suicide Squad. And Somebody like retweeted it and was like, dude, this came out like in 2016. Like, okay, I guess directors aren't allowed to share their work anymore. Um, right. But he, he quoted that tweet and he, yeah, he said, what's your advice on how to navigate this situation with grace? There's a genuine curiosity and interest from a lot of people. And I'm aware there's another group of people that have fun mocking the film. Your comment is a perfect example of how many are magnetically drawn to the twenty sixteen film in a negative way. He continued, All I know is my unseen film plays much better than the studio release. The interest in my cut being shown seems real and organic, and Gunn told me it would have would have its time to be shared. He obviously deserves to launch his DC universe without more drama about old projects. In a way, I'm chained to this thing, I'm riding a tiger here and navigating the situation the best I can. Life's a very strange journey. So it sounds like he's talked to Gunn, and Gunn might, you know, kind of said, like, at some point, maybe it might get, the the air cut might get released. Um, Right. But but that had a lot of people buzzing online. But, I mean, you you know, Suicide Squad isn't a great movie, but a lot of it seems to be from studio meddling, kind of like with the theatrical cut of Justice League right so i mean at the very least i think directors should be able to have their you know their work seen without studio meddling so you know um yeah so j oliva who's like a he's a storyboard artist um For a lot of DC projects, including Zack Snyder's stuff. And he's also a studio executive. He's, he, he he seemed to work very closely with Zack Snyder on his DC movies. And he was talking about Ben Affleck's Batman movie. And mm-hmm. he basically said something along the lines of that the movie would tackle like eight... eight 80 years of Batman mythos in a way that hadn't been done before. Yeah, he said Ben's story was going to cover something that had never really been covered in comics, but was building off of storylines in the Batman mythos over the last 80 years and approaching it from a new kind of perspective. And he also kind of spent the rest of the interview just kind of talking about how awesome the movie was. So thanks, Jay. Now we'll never see it. That's fun. I love when people talk about stuff we're never going to see. I mean, like, ah. That sounds cool. He also mentioned that apparently Zack Snyder's original vision for like the whole DCU, it was supposed to wrap up like with a, like an actual adaptation of the flashpoint paradox. And it was going to be revealed that reverse flash was behind like a lot of the events in the DCEU that he orchestrated a lot of different things. Um, not clear exactly what those would be, but that's right. interesting. Like that's kind of the first I've heard of this, cause as far as I knew, like he wanted to do I mean this doesn't necessarily mean anything because it seems like Zack Snyder plans out a lot of stuff before it actually gets to an like a creative, like they're actually like going to make it kind of thing. This just seems right. like he um brainstorms a lot, so this could have just kind of been one of those brainstorming ses- sessions sessions.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, his his actual quote from the interview with Inverse is that at the ending of Zach's Zach's Dark Side quadrilogy, which I didn't know all of a sudden it's going to be a four movie thing. I, I always thought it was going to be a two movie thing, um, or whatever. We would end up with a Justice League unlimited version of the Snyderverse. Um, I'm guessing that means just a lot of different characters. Right. Um, and then you flip it, you do Flashpoint Paradox. Everybody whose friends are now enemies, and it's a world that you don't want to live in. You can reboot the universe and introduce a new cast that way because after 10 years, the actors need to g- go and onto something else. I mean, I'm guessing this is probably a very early idea, yeah. like back when they were first like making Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. And it was the DCEU was supposed to be like, you know, a 10 year, like extended type universe.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so I have no idea like how long these plans were in place. But right. Could have been cool, but you know the DCU got derailed a long time ago, so um, right, right. It's it's not like any of this was even close to being made or done. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: last bit of news: apparently, uh, Kevin Spacey was found not guilty um, in L- London from uh, in a, his s- sexual assault trial. So, that's fun. Mm uh apparently like nine people came forward to accuse him of sexual assault um and it seems like over the last few years 30 people have come forward accusing him of sexual assault um and yeah i'm just gonna say like just because like he won this trial doesn't necessarily mean he's innocent you right. know, and like
1: also, like it's it's way too late. He's not getting. He's probably not going to act on anything ever again. Either either way, the the case goes.
0: But well, anyway. yeah, I was going to say, like, I I don't think this is going to mean he's you know uh, unblacklisted from Hollywood. I mean, they right. literally recast uh, him in a in a movie he was in when when this came out in 2017 mm. when he was like first accused. Um, though I will say, apparently he is doing like a voiceover. Um, role okay. in a, in an upcoming movie. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, he might be able to get some acting roles, but there's no way he's going to, you know, salvage his career from... Exactly. Get it back from where it was, and it seems like, I mean, if 30... If there are 30 accusations, like, I, I don't know. It's it's unlikely he's <laughs> totally innocent, but, you know, who knows. But there was, like, a lot of people that accused him of sexual assault, and, like, the original stuff back in 2017 was that um, this guy came forward, this, like, actor, I think, this small-time actor or artist came forward and said that, like, when he was 14 and he was 24, they had, like, I guess some sexual encounters, but then, Spacey kind of like you know assaulted him sexually, and the problem is I can't really find much information on on this trial and like why he was pronounced not guilty. You know, like what the evidence was yeah. for and against him. So exactly, yeah, they just you know like this article just says spacey was found not guilty of nine charges of sexual assault and misconduct with the jury reaching its verdict after about 12 hours of deliberation and that's like all it really says <laughs> um hmm. so yeah that doesn't really tell you much so a- anyway um talk to me let's talk about talk to me um, yeah well, well yeah recently so...
1: today they announced the sequel
0: oh no kidding
1: Ta- and the title the title is talk to me i think it's hilarious wait
0: is is is, is that real yeah, I think so. <laughs> I saw oh. it on
1: Instagram. Let me, let me check the source. I'm almost...
0: Yeah, so this... The, um, yeah, this... Rotten
1: Tomatoes. Uh, it seems official.
0: Hmm. Okay. You said it was a Rotten Tomatoes article? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, okay, cool. Um. So, yeah, this movie's very interesting. So I didn't know... I didn't know, like, who made this movie or the context of it or anything um be yeah. be like until like probably a few days before I saw the movie but it's actually mm-hmm. written um well it's directed by YouTubers um really? Raka Raka who I mm-hmm. I kind of like I I actually watched a lot of their videos back in the day like in high school and everything mm-hmm. um but they Jeez. like they made they got kind of famous online for like this Star Wars versus Harry Potter video um and a lot of videos centered around like Ronald McDonald just like slaughtering people. Um <laughs> like yeah, they like they made a lot of this really cool and like their videos are very distinct for having really cool stunts and like just an insane amount of blood and gore and stuff is like extremely violent. Mm-hmm. Um so that that was kind of cool. And they just kinda dropped off the radar, but apparently it's because they were working on this film. Um yeah. and, uh, yeah, apparently they made this film for like really cheap. I think like, including, um, uh, like, I, I think they made it for like a little over 4 million. Um, mm. I think 10 million with like, um, marketing costs sure. maybe, L- let me see. Um, cause I've seen like two different, yeah. So the budget was 4.5 million USD. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm apparently they yeah they made it with um a couple smaller production companies Causeway Films and Bankside Films and mm-hmm. so it's like it's very independent like cuz when i saw that it was right. an a- a- A24 film i assumed it was produced by A24 but apparently it was only distributed by A24 so right. apparently they made the movie and they got it into Sundance they submitted it mm-hmm. to Sundance and they got in and a, the, I, they they got a lot of offers after its midnight screening, and they ended up signing a deal with A24 to distribute it. Um, mm. And like like for a couple of YouTubers for their first time making a movie, like right. that's really right. impressive. And for f- four and a mm. half million dollars, it does not feel like that at all. Like it right. feels like your average like horror, you know, like smaller like smaller budget horror movie. But those are usually at least mm-hmm. like fifty million. This thing yeah. was like twenty fifty million. This thing was four and a half. That's that's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. Sure. But yeah, what did what did you think about this movie?
1: Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, it's really interesting. I uh, uh, yeah, it was. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen an Australian uh, maybe I have an Australian horror movie before, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it was really interesting. I really liked the uh, uh, how it was sort of like in out uh metaphor for like addiction uh, that was really mm, interesting yeah, yeah.
0: It, it's it's
1: a really like a bleak movie but i, I yeah. thought it was really really well done uh similar to i guess what we we're going to talk about in a bit similar to smile yeah. i I thought it was and also i don't know if you've seen dr sleep but i feel it feels a lot like that as well
0: okay no I, I, still, I still haven't gotten around to seeing that one yet um mm. Yeah, and I feel like there is some themes like with grief and loss yeah. in b- both this movie and Smile. Um mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting, actually kind of very similar like not necessarily like plot but kind of like same main character situation which um we are going to be talking spoilers for both these movies, so yeah. um you've been warned. But both movies mm-hmm. have a female protagonist who lost their mom at some point. Mm-hmm and Mm -hmm. didn't seem to ever fully get over it um right so I thought that was kind of interesting kind of reminded like as I was watching talk to me I was kind of reminded of um smiling that way but yeah I I really liked the I I don't think I'd ever seen an Australian horror movie before but it seems to be kind of a a subgenre of like these lower budget Mm -hmm. Australian horror movies which is kind of interesting I'll definitely check more out but I thought the main concept was very interesting and I think the trailer doesn't really reveal too much. Um, right. I think it shows enough to be interesting, but there's this whole second thing cuz like in the in the trailer they you know they grab onto the hand and say talk to me, but in the, in the mm-hmm. movie that's like the beginning then you have to say like I let you in and then they, the spirits like p- possess you. Right. So that's kind of an added layer of, oh, like, oh, this is kind of fucked up. No. <laughs> um, yeah. And I thought it was kind of funny uh, how the kids were just acting, you know, just like using it as like a party game almost. Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, like, It, like, it, it kind of um, sheds a new light on like, because one of the popular criticisms of horror movies is how they make kind of dumb decisions. Yes. And a lot of the times they are, they're children, you know, a lot of in these horror movies are mm-hmm. like teenagers. Um, but it kind of puts it into a modern context, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I guess kids are kind of dumb." It makes sense that they would they would do something like this,
0: right? Yeah, no, it, exactly. Like I think it 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 is definitely kind of like oh car- characters in horror movies making dumb decisions, but at the same time, I feel like this scenario is at least somewhat believable because right. you know with social because they were kind of doing it for like social media and stuff, and it's being like, "Wow, this is crazy." Yep. yep. I mean, you know, it's hard to say for sure, but, like, kids use, like, Ouija boards and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. They have been for years, you know? So I feel like it's not insanely far-fetched. I mean, granted, they do, like, see dead people, and then they, you know, get possessed. But even the main character, um, Mia, I think, she she said that, like, it feels really good when they're possessed. So I guess, like, it it is almost like, you know... I think that kind of leads in leans into the whole drug addiction thing yeah. um so i like they I think they made it pretty believable that they would be mm-hmm. you know the stupid like that, and like as the movie progresses, you know it's pretty obvious like they um do what they can to you know not do that anymore, but I think the movie did a really good job with the makeup for everyone. Um, yeah. like all the spirits. And then when all the kids got possessed, that was very well done. And like all the mm-hmm. blood and gore and stuff, which I feel like this movie doesn't, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I heard that there was, some, you know, violence and gore in it. And I, w- I wasn't sure what to expect because, you know, of how violent the creators YouTube videos are. Um, yeah, but I felt like the violence was sparing but extremely mm-hmm. upsetting, like, every time yeah. that it was used. Right. It, it didn't become just kind of, like, gore porn or anything. It, mm-hmm. it, it felt somehow, like, more real and visceral than your average horror movie. Um mm-hmm. You know, like, I feel like I've seen plenty of people, you know, get, like, smacked around and shot and gutted and everything, <laughs> the, you mm-hmm. know, with movies. But, like, when that, when the kid, I forget his name, when or Riley, I think. When he started like yeah. smacking his head on the table, it was just like, "Oh my god!" Like I was just right, like right. cringing really hard. Um, mm-hmm. And then later, when he started like smacking his head against the shower wall, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, stop!" <laughs> and then just like right, how right. like messed up his face was, it was like, "Damn, that was this very upsetting." And even at the beginning, when that one kid like stabbed his brother and stabbed himself in the eye. Um, mm-hmm. this all very like violent in it but it felt like very I guess real like as opposed yep. to say I don't know like even like a slasher movie or like a movie where like mm-hmm. you know a demon or something is killing people this felt different I guess because it was self-inflicted maybe and it just right. felt very real I guess oh and that that one scene where um Mia ends up I guess, like, I I thought that scene was very interesting where she was speaking to, like, that one spirit in the hospital and the spirit said, I let you in, and she, like, went to the other, like, basically got a glimpse of whatever limbo spirit realm they're in, and she saw, Mm -hmm. like, Riley's spirit being tortured. I thought that was done, like, very well. Um, Right, yeah. It was so effective, just, like, the sound and the lighting and everything you didn't like get a good glimpse at anything and yet it was Mm -hmm. still like extremely like upsetting yeah Um, that was super well done there was a lot of imagery in this that you know like it didn't it wasn't one of those things where it didn't show enough it it showed Mm -hmm. like just enough for you to be you know freaked out without being you know like oh it showed too much or like will show too little for me to care you know Mm -hmm. um yeah and i thought they did a good job kind of explaining what the thing was without just like having a character being like this is exactly what it is you know it was more like a lore or like you know rumors Mm -hmm. spread by the kids who've used the hand right um i'm trying to remember like one of the kids I think, initially got the hand from somebody else. And I, I did think it was a little, like, weird that nobody was like, hey, we need to, like, actually get rid of this hand, because, like, it seemed like people in the past have used the hand and it messed them up, so you'd think, like, somebody would be like, ah, well, let's just get rid of this hand instead of passing it off to a friend, you know? But... Yeah. I guess I not. I think the no. kid
1: in the beginning gave it to... The kid who has it, I don't remember his name, but the woman's the long black hair mm-hmm. um, but then, to what you were saying, I think that kind of goes back to the the whole addiction thing where it's like mm. it it's bad, but they you know they like it so they don't wanna, they don't want to get rid of it, like a, mm. you know kind of like like drugs, I guess, like they know it's bad, yeah. but they they just can't get rid of it,
0: yeah, well, and yeah, even just the whole concept, which yeah- apparently the concept was by Daily Pearson who's, I guess, a producer, but he also played Daryl in, like, those Thor, um, like, shorts that Taika Waititi did. Yeah. Um, but the concept itself, just kind of like a bunch of kids hanging out at a party, you know, is very reminiscent of, you know, like, instead of, you know, like, oh, let's do Blow, you know, and it's, it's instead of, like, oh, let's uh, get possessed by spirits. No. <laughs> but just, right. like, those scenes where they have all those kids at the party using the hand... Um, did feel, like, it didn't feel, like, super obvious, I guess, because once, once you got into the story, you're like, oh, yeah, but when you really think about it, it does feel very much like, oh, yeah, I could totally see the hand being swapped out for drugs, you know? Right. Um. Yeah, what did you think of the toe-sucking scene? <laughs> oh, my God. I thought it was it was really effective. I yeah, mean. absolutely. Like, I think, it, yeah, that scene, it was very, very well done how the spirit was doing it and then as soon as the kid like paul or whatever w- woke up he saw like me and I was the one sucking on his foot and I was like oh man that was yeah that was very yeah. well done very effective like you said and I really liked the ending I I don't generally like endings like that that mm-hmm. um you know kind of have you go on this journey with this character just to have them like Killed in the game because I feel like a lot of horror movies do it and it's just like, uh, like, ha, oh, they're dead because it's a horror movie, you know? Um, yeah. I felt like this was very effective because they did a very good fake out at the beginning where mm-hmm. it seems like, yeah, and it's not clear whether she jumped in the road or her friend pushed her to save her brother. Right. Um, right. Which I thought was interesting because it kind of left things open to interpretation. Um, or just like, it didn't Mm -hmm. really matter that much, to be honest, whether she jumped or not. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, she, yeah, she, she gets hit by like a semi truck or something, uh, in the road. And then like, you know, she's obviously messed up and, but she surprisingly gets up, which I was like thinking like, oh, this is just movie logic where she's, you know, but then you see within like a few seconds, like, oh, it seems like she's, uh in this other, you know, in the other realm, because she just sort of gets, like, all of a sudden, she's in the hospital, and she's seeing Riley going home with his family. um, Yeah. Fully healed, and it doesn't t- take too long before you re- realize, oh, she's dead, and she's one of the spirits that are yeah. hanging out mm-hmm. in this limbo now. And then, like, that one, that ending shot, where she's she just kind of standing in the darkness, and she just sees, like, a hand outstretched to her and then you, right. you you get to see pretty much the other side of using the hand and, like, what the spirits see. I thought that was really effective, just really cool imagery and just, like, really cool full, full circle, you know? Yeah, exactly. I feel like it kind of gave you, like, a perspective of, like, what is going, you know, like, what it looks like in that... Mm-hmm limbo to mention you know but also kind of gave a finality to Mia's character i guess um yeah in a way which i i guess that's like how they did it stylistically i didn't mind at all like i I felt like it was really well done and i really liked it it was it was a cool ending it it didn't feel like a letdown ending like oh well she worked this whole time and now she's dead you know um it it kind of reminded me a bit, a bit of the end of smile too um yeah so yeah but all, all in all a very cool movie i was actually very impressed i was I, I was expecting it to be like all right you know entertaining but i ended up really enjoying it um
1: yeah no i did as well yeah
0: oh yeah in that hand at the end um i'm kind of thinking it was it might be the other hand cuz apparently it's in greece that that ending scene oh, okay. those people were from Greece and it was mentioned earlier in the movie that the hand is like this um shaman or somebody that like so somebody who could speak to the dead who has like supernatural abilities and their hands were cut off and embalmed and whatever and mm-hmm. they mentioned that there was another hand out there somewhere so yeah. Yeah, do you think it, like, do you think that's, like, the same hand that somehow, like, got its way to Greece? <laughs> or do you think it's, like, the other hand that they were talking about?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, where where was the last, I guess, does Mia have it when she died? Did she have the hand? She had, it,
0: she had it at her home because um, her friend showed up at her home and saved her dad. And she saw okay. the hand hanging out, like, in a bag in her room, in Mia's room. Okay. So then, I mean, no, I don't think it was the same one. Yeah, I find it unlikely. Like, if she, because I feel like the friend would just throw that away, throw it away at this point. I doubt she would keep it unless she's stupid. Um, Exactly. uh, Exactly. So, but like, I I feel like it would be very unlikely that it would get all the way from Australia to Greece if she, like, disposed of it. So I feel like it's probably the other hand, and I'm trying to remember if it was, like you know, the opposite side. I think it was. I think the guy was hand like holding out his other hand.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: But I'm not a hundred percent sure because I think the hand was a left hand, mm. and I I think he was holding out his right hand, meaning that the hand he was using had to be the right one. Right. I don't remember, I don't remember, remember for sure, but I think so. But I think even, (laughs) I think the, um, directors might've mentioned it, but they, they were kind of vague about it, but I, I think, I think so. But I thought that was a cool detail or at least something to to think about. And apparently they want to make a sequel, which, you know, it's obviously, it's confirmed now, which is cool. I, I like seeing smaller filmmakers, you know, um people haven't done a whole lot of people who you know did things independently get some traction and then you know get like a bigger budget or something you know you get to make more like the director of the terrifier movies since terrifier 2 Mm -hmm. was such a success now he's signed on to a um a major agency and i I, I believe he's making a third movie with a bigger budget a third terrifier movie so yeah that's yeah, it's, it's kind of cool yeah. to see success stories like that. Yeah, let's talk briefly about Smile since we did before, yeah. but I've never actually put anything out. <laughs> so <laughs> this was easily my favorite horror movie last year. Um, yeah, I think that too. I think it just did such a good job. Just like it made me so damn anxious the whole movie. Right. Um, yeah. It just did such a. They did such a good job building the tension the whole time without you necessarily having to see the monster or what or whatever it was the whole time. Like they did such. They did a really good job making you think you were gonna see it in like every corner. And right. that was the experience of the main character. So they did a really good job making you experience at least a modicum of what the main character was.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for
0: sure. And what's her name? Sochi Bacon. Um, yeah. Who is Kevin Bacon's daughter. I don't know why I did. I didn't put that together until like a while after I saw the movie. Um Right. But she, she did a really good job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. I think i've seen it yeah I don't know. what else
1: was she in i don't remember
0: she was in 13 reasons why okay um briefly and she was in mayor east town um like mm. not a whole lot of stuff that this was her first leading role i believe but okay. she did a very good job Maybe yeah she did just like being just like <laughs> losing her mind the whole movie basically Mm -hmm. Um, which, yeah, I think, well, uh, talk to me was definitely an allegory for drugs. This seemed to be symbolic of trauma. Um, I think especially on dealt with trauma because throughout the movie, which I didn't really think about, but I read like some article later that mentioned this, um, what's the main character Rose. She doesn't, like, after maybe, like, one or two attempts, she doesn't really get any actual help besides, like, her cop ex-boyfriend. But she sees her therapist once, but then the rest of the Mm -hmm. movie, no, twice, I think, but the rest of the movie, she doesn't really reach out to her therapist. Um, Right. And I feel like maybe that was kind of, like, how why the movie ended the way it was where she wasn't able to mm-hmm. beat the whatever you want to call it the trauma monster or something right um, and spe- speaking of that like that ending was a very good m- misdirect like, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, like yeah. I i definitely did not see that coming uh when i first saw it cuz it, it seemed like a very you know like she defeated the monster thing you know and at the very end she reunites with um joel mm and then it turns out it was all in her head the whole time which i think was a very interesting take on yeah. a monster because it, it 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 really is in like the person's head it kind of right. possesses them but it doesn't like control them it just messes with their head and oppresses them you know and yes. m- and makes them see stuff and makes them Right, like see stuff to the point where they think they're doing it because there's that one point where she thinks she kills that mentally ill guy at the hospital. Mm. Um. So yeah, it, it just very well done. Like all of the like the beginning with that one girl setting her up, and they did a good job. Kind of, I really liked the whole investigative aspect of it, where Rose was trying to figure everything out, and you kind of see you know that this thing has left a, like a long trail of bodies basically right um but i feel like they left enough things vague where there, it didn't feel like exposition you know it felt more that she was uncovering stuff uh, right. which i thought was right. cool and i definitely like i don't know i kind of would like to see more just because it was so good i like like all sequels i feel like you know it it definitely opens the door to kind of ruining it you know (laughs) right right um like as long as they didn't get to because like say like there's movies like i don't know if you've ever seen the boy no i haven't but that one's actually pretty interesting because at the end it's like this whole time you think like the doll's possessed and in the end it turns out that it's actually like a grown man (laughs) living in the walls um and they're like a bunch of like secret passages and stuff in the house. So he's able to like move stuff around to make it seem like there's supernatural stuff. Um, but then in the second movie, they just kind of throw that all out the window and they're just like, just kidding. The doll is possessed. And it just, it just kind of like, mm. well, that kind of r- ruins it, you know? So I f- feel like right. if they could make a sequel that didn't ruin the lore and still kind of kept that like paranoia aspect, it yeah. could be interesting. Because... Because I really like the way this movie ended with, like, mm-hmm. it's,
1: it's a metaphor for, like, trauma and yes. stuff. So it's like, yeah, you, you can't really, like, get rid of it. Like, it, it's still there, and you can you can treat it, but I don't think it's ever really gone. And so, like, right. I'm not sure how you would make another movie and have it, and have it not have, like, a similar ending. Uh, you know, like, if, if, if in the sequel, like, they somehow figure out how to uh, defeat the monster, I think that kind of cheapens it a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the only way that they would, they would be able to do that is if, I don't know. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's kind of hard because when you, you know, are dealing with something like, you know, a real, real world thing like trauma, you know, it's like, how do yeah. you, how do you make something that is trying to clearly define how you're supposed to deal with it? Because, you know, it's like, right. it's, it's, right. it's not a cut and dry thing in real life and it's different for different people, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I did really like, I thought that was super interesting the way it transferred to people. Was it forced other people to watch um, yeah. the person commit suicide? Like, I feel like not only is that just an, an interesting concept, um, but it also is very, very interesting s- symbolism, you know, whereas like the trauma yeah. or like in this case, the monster, but in real life, you know, like the trauma like transfers from one person to the other. And, mm-hmm. It's very interesting how it shows, you know, it kind of addresses how people can basically transfer their trauma onto other people, like, say, especially people, like, who are in a relationship with somebody else or parents to their kids, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, like, I feel like the only way they could really do a good sequel is if they maybe tackle another aspect of trauma that they didn't in this movie. Um, Right because like in this it was mainly the main character rose and her mom and how her mom like committed suicide Mm -hmm. um and you know it was battling with depression and then committed suicide so i don't know maybe like the main character is dealing with another kind of trauma but like you said it would kind of cheapen um it could kind of cheapen the message if not done right so yeah. Right. I don't yeah. know. Part of me wants, wants to see more because it was so good, but part of me doesn't because, yeah. you know, I don't want it to. <laughs> so, but Exactly, exactly. Yeah, v- very good. So, honestly, these two movies, Talk to Me and Smile, are some of them, so, some of my favorites that have come out recently the last few years.
1: Yeah, um, for sure.
0: I feel like we've got a steady stream of like okay to bad horror movies, you know. Mm. I feel like these right. are two like really big standouts because they have interesting concepts they're actually scary, which I find a lot of horror Mm. movies aren't. They're just kind of like gory or like jump scares and they expect that to be like, you know, scary. But for me, it's like, it's more the concept and the way it's presented Mm. that's scary, you know, or like the imagery. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and Oh, and also just the kind of the whole thing with smile is um, kind of talking about Or kind of um, commentary on how people who are dealing with like depression or trauma or whatnot just kind of are expected to put on a smile, you know, put on a brave face and smile through it all. Right. Um, And that's kind of, I think they were kind of playing with that idea, which I think is very smart, honestly, the director and writer Parker Finn. I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. like, has he done a whole lot else? Not really.
1: No, this is his first movie.
0: Interesting. So, yeah, I would definitely, if if not a sequel, I'd definitely like to see more horror from him. Exactly, yeah. So that would be very cool. So, yeah, all that to say, very cool. Even though it was um, from Paramount, it felt like an indie movie. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, both very good horror movies. If you have not seen these um, and you're a horror fan, definitely check them out. They're very good. Right. But yeah, is anything um, else you wanted to add about these movies?
1: No, I think we pretty much covered it all.
0: Nice. All right. Well, uh, wrap things up. Uh, let's talk about um, the dumbest things you've seen on the internet recently. Um, so for for me, it kind of ties into that J. Oliva thing he was talking about, where he said apparently when they were making Man of Steel, <laughs> and they made that there was that scene where Superman crashes his. Like you know, his escape pod to Earth, like into, um, well, they they use it to basically send all the Kryptonis back to the Phantom Zone and everything, and it destroys the the pod as well. Apparently, yeah. some of the executives fought them on this because they said, "Well, if you destroy his ship, how is how does uh, Superman get back to Krypton?" <clears throat> and it's just like kind of kind of shows the uh the headspaces of the Warner Brothers executives and how <laughs> little right. they actually knew about DC and yeah just kind of sad but <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh yeah did you have anything I
1: did have one thing um so on our other podcast uh, a few weeks ago there's a new series that started it was uh the world's finest teen titans so it's the original team it's it's Robin Mm-hmm. wonder girl aqualad like the, the sidekick characters the original yeah. teen titan and um somebody on the internet doesn't really understand that and she said i don't know oh i don't know if she was a she they said um the titans are trash without raven and starfire and i thought that was really funny because oh boy. Um, why them specifically i don't know why, why they decided those the only good characters but i just really <laughs> yeah, really funny that yeah I mean, that's a very specific thing that only some people would understand, but
0: yeah, I haven't really seen anything done on the internet recently. It sounds like somebody who only really knows the Titans from the, uh, the cartoon. (laughs) Exactly. Um, which, you know, I mean, yeah, if that's your thing, but also it's like, I don't get when people sound off on stuff they don't really (laughs) know about. Right. Uh, Right. Exactly. But You know, it's the internet, whatever. Um, yeah, but yeah, that is our podcast for, uh, well, for this week i guess but um mm-hmm. thank you so much for listening uh, this podcast comes out every other wednesday and mm-hmm. i do upload it's the youtube as well so if you want to check out the v- video versions they are on our youtube channel casual experts which by the way check that out check us out on social media casual underscore experts on instagram and twitter and then on, t- on tick tock it's just casual Experts. Those links are in the description, as well as the link to our other podcast, The Cultured Pull List, which is all about comic books and comic reviews, graphic novels, all that stuff. We do that in partnership with The Cultured Nerd, and it's got its own social media and YouTube channel as well. So check that out. All Mm -hmm. those links Mm -hmm. in the description. And we'll see you next time. This has been Casual Experts Only please subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast platform of choice. And be sure to check us out on social media and YouTube. Links to those in the description. Until next time.